Our thanks to Tommy and Ollie for reading our readings uh, this morning. The annual service for the renewal of our covenant with God came through John Wesley, through a Puritan, mainly several people, but mainly a man called Richard Elaine, who was ousted from his uh, living as a member of the Church of England uh, and wrote a a seminal book which was outlawed and burned, uh, but to this day several copies still exist going back to that time, and John Wesley came across such a copy. And it became probably one of the, alongside the scriptures of course, one of the three to five books that influenced his life, and therefore if you like, influenced the life of the early Methodist movement. And in that uh, writing, in those writings of Richard Elaine, was a very long prayer, w a distillation of which Wesley used from 1855 to begin to share with the Methodist people. The first covenant service took place on Christmas Day, and we were thinking about that, and then we thought, no, we've got other things to celebrate. Uh, and then over a period of time in the 1760s onwards, most Methodist societies of that time then had their renewal of covenant with God on New Year's Eve, a kind of uh, 18th century watch night service. Uh, by the time 1936 came round and the 1936 service book uh, was shaped in the light of the joining together of the several Methodist groupings that were in Britain till 1932. The Union, Methodist Union, took place here in this building and then for celebration at uh, uh, the Royal Albert Hall. And uh, from that time, all the Methodists agreed on one version of the covenant prayer, and it is still in the book today. It's the B option uh, when we get to the covenant later on. John Wesley used to say that it was incumbent upon us each year to renew our covenant with God and to remind ourselves that God is always ready to renew a covenant with us. Uh, and the reason why so much of what is written and so many hymns that have been written about the covenant focus rightly and first and foremost upon God's grace. God is not an ogre who is going to demand that we do this and that and the other. God is a God of gracious invitation and covenant that says, how do you respond now to my love, to my challenge, to my invitation? And that's what we're about <coughs> this morning. And I invite all of you, whether you're here regularly down the years for the covenant service, and this is something that you've been through many times, or if you're a person who has never been to a covenant service before, you are welcome, first of all, to participate fully in it and to make the promises within it and to come later on and, if you like, seal the covenant with bread and wine at our communion service. The invitation is there. <coughs> the new year is also in this church a year where we, the service where we Launch is the wrong word, but we remind ourselves that each year we create a scripture text as a motto. 
the motto's changed down the years, but they are a thing of prayer. And we as a staff team were thinking about this uh, back in September or October and saying, now, what kind of text should we be laying before ourselves this year, looking as far as we can see it through 2019? And we wanted to recognize that in all sorts of ways, not least through this coming week, momentous changes are afoot for the people of these islands. Uh, and we didn't want to make a party political text, debatable whether there is some, but there are many texts that explore various responses to God, to living in God's world. And we chose this text from 2 Chronicles 7.14. Uh, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, <coughs> then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Uh, so in this short sermon that follows, it's about that text. And incidentally, if you haven't got one of these text cards, we have got some left, haven't we, Ollie? I think you can be at the back. Please feel free to take one and put it on your fridge. It's on our fridge in our house. Every time I go for a, some milk to make tea, it's there looking at me. I want to talk about three things briefly about that text. And it's such a rich text that we may well have to return to it a time or two over 2019. The first thing is this, and there's nothing rocket science about this, this sermon and these points this morning. But the first point is this. It's if my people, the people of God. In those days, when the writer wrote Chronicles, my people would be the chosen people of Israel, with whom God had made a covenant through the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. But in the New Testament, when the scriptures uh, of the people of God were adopted, if you like. And through Jesus Christ, the people with whom God made a new covenant through his life and death entered into that fold. So now in 2019, it's indisputable that when we read, if my people, the my people is you and I. We're being addressed here. It's us, not them, to whom this text is addressed. And I make that point because so often in our lives, we deflect and point to other people for everything that goes wrong, for the things that we don't think are right, or the things that we think are just simply beyond. If they acted like this, we say, everything would be all right. If he only did it like this, it'd be a lot better. If she did that, we'd have no problems. If they just got their act together, then everything would be all right. I want you to notice in our text this morning that God says, on this occasion, all that may well be true, but it's you that I'm talking to. It's us who are being addressed here. If my people who are called by my name is the thing, the statement from which everything else proceeds. We who own the name 
of Jesus. We who profess to be Christians. We who say that we are his. Bought with a price. We who in this service will say again, we are no longer our own, but yours. And one thing we can do this year as we renew our covenant with God is take responsibility for the things that God gives and expects from his people. We are not only a blessed people, a people to whom much is given, but we are also a people from whom much is expected, who have God-given responsibilities. This text and all its unfolding statements are directed at us. In the context of our covenant, covenant, it's me, not anybody else. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. The very first thing that God instructs the church of Jesus Christ to do through this old text is to engage in humble prayer. Now, Tony will take up a focus on humility this evening in our Emmanuel room. I want to spend a moment or two talking more broadly about prayer. Prayer is not an optional extra. It's the basic requirement of God's people. Prayers for God's people, prayers for other people, prayers for ourselves, prayers for the world that old hymn, take it to the Lord in prayer. And one thing we can all do today with this text from Chronicles ringing in our ears as we say our covenant prayer together and approach the table of the Lord and receive bread and wine is to resolve afresh with God's command and encouragement and God's resources to be better prayers, to pray more to pray more deeply, to pray more fervently, to pray better. The text suggests that three kinds of prayer are particularly required of us, and I want to note at this point two of them. The first type of prayer is if you read to the end of the text and see what God promises, the text being the motto, to see what God promises in response to our responsibilities taken up is to heal their land. In other words, <coughs> we must pray for all that makes up our land. And basically, in technical terms, these are prayers of intercession, prayers for other people. Prayers for those who cannot pray for themselves, for those who don't know how to pray, for those who don't pray, for those who don't believe in prayer, for those who don't believe in God. Prayer <coughs> isn't just for the sick and dying, but for every aspect which makes up our life together. <coughs> Excuse me. God knows, and we know, how much our land, our society, our communities need prayer. Every aspect that makes up our lives needs to be undergirded and marinated with prayer. 
And as we renew our covenant today, God will smile if we pledge among all the dedication of this service to be better intercessors. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves <coughs> and pray, dot, 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 I will heal their land. The second kind of prayer is found in the phrase, will pray and seek my face. Will pray and seek my face. Seeking my face is an Old Testament way, and it comes in several places in the Old Testament. It means basically taking the time and effort to find out what God wants. Lots of us think that prayer is simply telling God what we want. It's a shopping list. This reading reminds us that it is just as much, if not more so, what God wants, and then doing it. As we say in our covenant prayer, not my will, but yours be done. In which case, we have to be about the business of seeking God's will, seeking God's face. Seeking God, seeking God's favor, seeking God's intentions, and then bringing our life alongside those. Some of us will feel we know what God wants of us, and we'll be right. Others of us are actively aware that we need to seek God's face about greater clarity of some or other aspect of our life and discipleship. So as you approach the covenant and Holy Communion, this morning boldly ask the Lord to reveal God's purposes and will to you. Lord, I'm praying I am seeking your face for my life and its direction and its content. If my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, turning. It's the acid test, isn't it? It's the proof of the pudding. It is, <coughs> in the language of the New Testament, that change of direction, that change of life. And so some of us need to hear the words of Scripture as we approach both the covenant and the Lord's table and say, it's time for me to desist. It's time for me to change. It's time for me to seek counsel. It's time for me to take hold of myself. It's time to have a bit of self-discipline or whatever. But resolve by God's grace to be more in tune with God, God, what God wants in terms of our lifestyle, of being a responsible citizen in God's world, of being a person of morality and friendship that connects, that's of a peace with being a follower of Jesus Christ. This covenant service reminds us not only of the demands of being in covenant with God, but gloriously of the promises. We'll say in a few moments, so most gracious God, I am All the 
resources of God given to us, enabling us to live out with much greater power and resolve than we ourselves possess what God asks of us. And it's in this respect that the third type of prayer can be identified. For the text goes, the motto goes, then I will forgive their sins and heal their land. How we need forgiveness. And forgiveness flows from repentance. And repentance requires turning away from all that denies or mocks God or is not of God. Only after a command to pray, to seek God's face, and turn from our wicked ways, is there in this text that turning point, then I will. We need to be clear as I close. We mustn't imagine that this text portrays for us a picture of God who is sitting belligerently and bad-temperedly on a cloud in heaven, twiddling his thumbs and saying, I am being absolutely inactive in the world. I am not moving a finger until you lot get your act together. It's more like this. Listen carefully, even if you switched off, please, just for the next 30 seconds. It's more like this. Until we are his people who pray and seek his face and will and offer our lives and the way we live them to God's will and purposes, then God has so constructed his dealings with his world that there is not a company of people at God's disposal to bring about what God wants, which is forgiveness and healing to the land. Our land needs healing. Our sins need confessing and forgiving. This week is a momentous week in the life of our land. But even beyond these heady things, if we resolve today by God's Holy Spirit to own the name, to take the responsibility, to pray and seek God and change our ways, then wonderfully through the covenant, we become part of God's solution rather than God's problem. We become available to God to bring about the things God wants to bring about for forgiveness and healing. In the end, who wouldn't want to be a part of that?